0: Methods. Hello and welcome to the Research Methods podcast of the Management Center Innsbruck. I'm your host, Dr. Eugene Bogdisto. In this episode of our mini-series on experiments, we are going to talk about causation, correlation, compounds, and also different types of experiments. In our previous episode, we talked about the cause, and the effect and causal relationships What we have to be clear of is that causation and correlation are two different things And very often students and even the professional researchers confuse these two things They find a correlation between two variables and they assume that there is also causation In the event of an experiment, the causation is much easier to prove because we know what preceded and what was related to the outcome and then we can look at this specific relationship which will be then causal In the event of a questionnaire or in the event of an observation we don't always know what was the precedent, what was the consequence and in this case we have the correlation and the only way to argue that there is a causation is the theoretical one For instance, there is a theory which says that burnout leads to insomnia Although it is not so clear, maybe there is a correlation between burnout and insomnia and the relationship may be very complex Because burnout can lead to insomnia But insomnia will lead to the higher tiredness and higher emotional exhaustion which will increase the burnout And again, burnout will increase insomnia There can be a self-reinforcing loop Or let's talk about something different What about the income and education. You know that these two items are correlated. But what is the cause and what is the effect? Is it the education which has impact on income, or is it the income which has impact on education? And we don't know what actually precedes what because these things are intertwined and there seems to be a reinforcing effect in this data. We have to bear in mind that the Effect which we observe can be caused not only by something we included into model, but also by something we never thought about. And this never thought about is the confounding effect, or the confounding variable. It means there is something which we did not include into model, but it can have impact on our outcome variable. For example, think again about the correlation between income and education. You can think about the education type, what kind of education it is and the income, how high the income is but maybe there is also something additional like family socioeconomic status This family socioeconomic status can explain the dependent variable income much better than education It can happen that it is not about the type of education but which family you come from And these are the confounds which you have to take care of if you develop a good experiment Anyway, in an experiment, you try to manipulate something And unfortunately, there are many things which cannot be manipulated In an experiment, you can manipulate conditions such as brightness or darkness You can manipulate emotions and ask people to remember something fearful, something where they felt joy You can manipulate riskiness by saying that at the end of the experiment, somebody will be penalized or not penalized Let's say by paying some money or receiving not sufficient incentives Or you can manipulate even the industry and just run the same experiment in two different industries In this case, the industry is the manipulation You can see how the task is resolved by representatives of different industries Unfortunately, there are some conditions which we cannot manipulate and one of them is, uh, let's say the big uh, pandemics. For instance, we observe now COVID-19 pandemics and it's not something we can manipulate in experimental conditions. So in this case, we just have to follow and observe, make observation and understand what impact COVID-19 had, but as we cannot manipulate it, as we cannot control for other conditions, it's pretty hard to say which of the effects we observe now come really from COVID-19 and which are the effects of different other socioeconomic factors. The same relates to an earthquake. You cannot manipulate an earthquake, although we can assume that if there is an earthquake, it, would have, it will have impact on the prices of real estate. But we cannot manipulate something like this. This brings me to the condition what are experiments good for and what experiments bad for. And the experiments are good for the causal description. It means a description of the consequence attributed to deliberately varying treatment. If we can ascribe a treatment and we can do it deliberately and we can vary it and we can observe what happens with the dependent variable, It means we made a good causal description. We have run a good experiment, and experiments are very good for something like this. What the experiments are bad for is the causal explanation. So we can observe that light has impact on the way people learn. But why did it happen? This is the question which we cannot answer without looking into the hands of people and understanding what was it? Was it about the attention? Was it about the information processing? Was it about the um, restrictions when writing in the darkness or something like this? If you would like to answer the question, what, who, where and when the experiment is the good method to go. If you try to understand why you can find an effect, you can assume a cause, but it can happen that you will not know why this cause appeared. And all this stuff, this manipulable and non-manipulable conditions and different types of questions which you can answer with an experiment brings us to the three types of experiments we usually work with The first type is the randomized experiment I think it is one of the most popular experiments which we observe in the field of behavioral economics or in the field of psychology In the event of a randomized experiment The various treatments are being contrasted by assigning to experimental units by chance, including no treatment at all it means the control group. So we just randomize people who get into different groups, we toss a coin to see who gets in a very bright room, who gets into a dark room, who is somewhere in between and who is just sitting by normal conditions. So it means it is the control group. This tossing a coin creates this randomized experiments. And if the groups are randomized correctly, then the groups will be probabilistically similar. So remember, I told you that there are several compounds which could have impact on the outcomes of the experiment of having a dark or a bright room against having high or low learning outcomes. It can happen that age has impact, it can happen that gender has impact, it can happen that previous experiences have impact. If you make a randomization and put people differently, then you can assume that at the end, you will have different groups and in each group, there will be randomly assigned people of different ages, of different gender, of different backgrounds, of different experiences. So if you make the randomization correctly, the groups will be on average equal. It means the only effect which you will observe will appear due to the treatment and not due to the demographics of the group. And this is why the randomized experiments are so powerful, and that is why we have them The second type of experiments experiment are the quasi-experiments It has the same goal as the random experiments Unfortunately, there might be no opportunity, there might be no possibility to randomize your groups For example, think about the therapeutic treatment, and you need specific people for, in order to understand what kind of treatments they need So it can happen that a physician will pre-select people from different age groups or from different treatment groups in order to test the new treatment or the new way of working with a patient. In some groups, we have to offer self-selection. Imagine that we would like to make an experiment on bungee jumping and people will have to make bungee jumping. It is too risky to force people to do it, but we can announce and say, who would like to be in the group? Who is going to jump? and who would like to be in the control group, those who are going to do nothing and then let's say to learn. If we have the dependent variable learning, then it can happen that the bungee jumpers and the non-bungee jumpers, the control group, will differ drastically, but not because of bungee jumping, but because of the pre-selection it can happen that those who select to make a jump, they are more risk seeking. And for this reason, they also look for different theories and they may be more successful than the others not because of bungee jumping, but because of the lack of risk aversion they have. It can happen vice versa that those who decide not to make bungee jumping that they are more analytical more risk aversive. And that is why they are also might be more analytical in the way of learning and then they will be also more successful. So as you see, this type of experiments called the Quasi-Experiment is very close to a randomized experiment with only one difference That the participants are not completely randomized or the treatments are not completely randomized And usually it is not just our wish, it is dictated by the necessity of the conditions of the experiment or ethicality I'll give you one more example, imagine that you would like to test a new fitness app and you would like to have some volunteers And these volunteers uh, can of course decide whether they will be in, let's say, the app testing condition or they will be not an app testing condition We assume that this app testing has impact on something but if we allow these students or these participants to select which group they would like to join we also imply different things which they will take with them into each groups What kind of students will be interested in testing an app? Probably those who have some affinity with regard to technology, those who can program, those who use all stiffness trackers, those who use smartphones, and who will be in the control group. Probably those who wouldn't like to do this. And all this stuff has already some explanative power for our dependent variable. So if you have an opportunity to avoid quasi-experiment and make a randomized experiment, it will always be more powerful and you will have less confounding effects and thus you will see the stronger main effects. If you don't have this opportunity, you have to go for a quasi-experiment. And in this case, you have to do your best in order to control for all possible conditions, collect all possible demographics and all possible data on all the confounding effects and them in your model in this way you may achieve the good statistical results and also the good and reliable and valid experiment the third type of an experiment is the natural experiment and the natural experiment means that remember the non-manipulative causes we cannot change them but they can appear for example like an earthquake and after an earthquake appeared, if we take the prices of real estate before the earthquake and after the earthquake and compare them then we can say that it was due to the earthquake If we have real estate prices from different regions close to this one which did not experience an earthquake and the prices didn't change but in the event of the earthquake region the prices changed then we can really be sure or we can be almost sure that it's because of the earthquake the main issue with this experiment is that you sometimes never know when the manipulation is going to happen. So if you would like to investigate the impact of the earthquake, it can happen that you will wait for years if you are interested in a specific region and maybe this will and hopefully never never happen. But you are not controlling for this condition. It will just sometimes appear. It may have appeared somewhere in the, in the history and you will need to find this data are also dependent on the region and on the data. So if there are no earthquakes in South California, it can happen that you can take data from Japan where the earthquake are more common. But in this case, the markets will also be very different and the regulations will be very different. So it is very hard to make a very clear statement and prove that the causality is the correct one that you really observe the causality. Yet these experiments are very popular, especially in the field of social science and economics because there are many things which happen and which imp- have impact on the share prices or the incomes of people or the inflation. You can, for example, observe what happens after the uh, after COVID-19 and what happened during the COVID-19 and before it, and then if something happened in the economy, you can say it is because of the COVID-19. I wouldn't recommend you to do it because there are too many factors, but you can go for something more specific and there is a study which looked at the effects of the Miami job market after many prisoners were released from Cuban jails and the scholars showed that really this non-manipulable cause what happens with the Cuban jails had impact on the job market in Miami The natural experiments are also, let's say, on the one hand, they are the weakest one and the strongest one to conduct. On the other hand, if you have a good idea and if you find the data access, then all data is already there. So you don't really have to make the manipulation and think about the groups. You just need to find data which come from before the event and data which come after the event and compare them. These are the three main types of experiments we usually work with. And I hope it was helpful. In the next episode, we're going to talk about the randomized experiments, which are also my most beloved method of research. And I hope to give you some insight from this research method. For now, I wish you all the best and good luck with your research. Bye bye.